Hello, sir. Hello. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Nice. I am uh, back home. You are. Yeah. I'm actually from Somerville. Nice. How long were you gone for in total? So I was gone for two weeks on Martha's Vineyard, uh, which was lovely. But it was what I was hoping it was, which is like did some work in the morning and then like got outside basically every afternoon, like went for a hike, saw a ton of the island, and then sometimes a little more work in the afternoon, did a lot of cooking, a lot of playing cards, relaxing. It's just like a very nice kind of mixed vacation. Nice. Nice. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then right when I got back, actually, uh, like the, the next day, we, we went and did a founder's retreat. Okay. Okay. So the three of us uh, got an Airbnb nearby and uh did some sort of quarterly review and planning mm-hmm. so official Which, I'm, I'm yeah i know <laughs> yeah, we're very very legit <laughs> i'm digging this the, the cadence though i think like quarterly is kind of a nice time to do it but we did some reflection like we did like feedback sessions and, and things like that and then we also but also like spent most of the time kind of uh thinking about the next couple months next three months and what we want to do and that feels about right like to like, kind of do some upfront planning about that often and then try to just execute during the quarter yeah yeah but yeah i figured i would share it people have seemed to like the when i share the stuff that we actually talk about like the questions so i figured i'd just like share a few of those things so one thing we do is this feedback session so we did like a um, i like that and i wish that you know set of uh, feedback points for each other and that went well although i think we've decided to try to do this more on the fly like rather like saving it or like expecting this to happen at some point it's definitely useful to get that stuff out, but it's, I think it's even better to get it out right away. Yeah. Right. Don't let it uh, fester for too long. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to try to like do that more ongoing. Um, but in general, the just like feedback, like honest feedback flowing between us, I think is super huge, like really important. So we pre-wrote, wrote a set of things before the retreat. So one was the feedback. The next was the, uh, summary of how your work and personal lives were going which is maybe not how like everyone like might not work for everyone's professional setting. Sure. Like maybe the personal thing is too personal. Yeah. But given like how intertwined our things are and like also just like we're very close, uh, I think it made sense to kind of cover everything. Right. Right. Especially as co-founders, you know, you all are um, equity holders in this business and like your personal motivations and what you want out of it really ties into, you know, where the company should go. So that, that makes even more sense. And that's totally. Yeah. Yep. And then we did highlights and lowlights of the quarter. Just taking a second to kind of reflect on what was good and what was not so good. We wrote down what would make the retreat a success for you. And then a list of fun things you'd like to do this quarter. And also, uh, ahead of time, we read the first handful of chapters of uh, No Rules Rules. Oh, what is that? I've heard that. Reed Hastings. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's by the, yeah, the, the founder of Netflix. And it's about basically how Netflix does their culture. And it was great. Uh, I, like, I started it. And then after a few chapters, I was like, you guys got to read this and we have to talk about this. Because it was... Uh, super interesting. That's cool. Any any immediate like takeaways or things you're adopting from that yet or still kind of reading through it? Yes. I think one of the, the most impactful chapters was kind of Netflix's goal is to pay like top of personal market, which I think is interesting. That they have their employees like solicit offers from like recruiters and other companies and like, okay, like I'm worth this on the market. And Netflix is like, great. We, we've chosen you because you're amazing. And that's what we want to pay you. If you're worth if you're worth more elsewhere, like we want to try to match that. Yeah, so the first two chapters are have really high talent density, meaning like don't have, you know, adequate performers. The, the thing in Netflix is like adequate performance is met with a generous severance package. <laughs> it's like the, 
thank you, but that's not what we're, we're into. And then the other thing is like, you know, pay top of personal market. And just those two things alone are like hard to achieve or like, you know, require quite a concerted effort to achieve. I have to say that vision is inspiring. They're one company too that's like very, let's be clear about what this is. We are a company working towards a goal. We're not a family in that respect. Like we're, you know, it's like very performance oriented, right? Is that kind of your sense? Oh yeah, definitely. And and they say like they're, it's not a family, it's a sports team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we want like the best player possible in each position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great book, uh, definitely recommended. Cool, yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. Also, last w- a few days ago, was it this week? Who knows? I was on uh, Mixergy. Oh, nice. Andrew Warner. Very cool. That's interesting, yeah. I noticed an th- interesting thing, or like sort of Andrew kind of found a theme um, during the show that I realized was true, which is I was bringing up some like interesting things that have happened to Tuple over the months and years. And he pointed out that I seem to be willing to ask for things and that that seemed to be like a, a strength. And I think that's true. Meaning like, so like an example is like, I asked to be on Mixergy and like I saw a friend of mine was on there and I was like, Hey, can you intro me to Andrew? And like, I'd like to be on there. And like, that just worked out. Some of our like best testimonials have come because I asked people, Hey, like, would you say nice things about us? Cause it would really help us. Like we ask our customers to tweet about us if they have good experiences. Like we just, we, we ask people to, to do things for us. So many good things in my life have come as a result of just like being willing to like kind of ask for a thing. Um, so, yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Not sure what the, the conclusion is here, but hey, maybe try it. Do more of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like sometimes you might be surprised at what you get if you just like are willing to like take the slight social risk or like the risk of rejection and just uh, uh, request something. Right. And most of the time, people are more more helpful than than you maybe assume they are. You know. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I that's I found that in my experience too. Yeah, I feel like the my success rate is quite high. Mm-hmm. It's it's rare that I you know ask someone for a favor and then they're they're unwilling to do it, or some flavor of it, some some reduced version. But yeah, that was interesting being on the the podcast. He does this thing. I, I don't know if this is good. I, this is just this might be their, just their style. But he says at the beginning of the, inter- of the interview, if there's anything I ask you about that you don't want to talk about, feel free to push back on me. That's totally fine. Like you don't have to answer any questions you don't want to. But once you answer a question, it's in the recording, and we're not going to take it out. Huh. Interesting. As opposed to the yeah. ma- like go easy on you where it's like, oh, don't worry, we can edit stuff out later. It's like a very different, it's the opposite yeah. approach. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I like that approach. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it put me more on edge than, than if he hadn't done that. And maybe that's just like the kind of vibe he wants or like maybe he, it feels a little bit like, why is this good? Like, okay, I guess it prevents a little bit of work for you. Well, sure. Maybe that's good. You're not going to give people a chance to review it. But I feel like it just, there are parts of the interview where like, I feel like I performed a little bit worse or like. I didn't like how I handled it because I'm, I have this thing in my head, which is like, as soon as I say this, it's out there versus, you know what, let's, let's, let's cut that part. I, I don't like my answer there. Or I'd, I'd rather not actually have that go live or something. Hmm. Yeah, that is an interest. I wonder why I would be curious about what the origin of that is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, does it, is it, yeah. I, I doubt it's an editing thing because they have, you know, they've been doing this a long time. They have a whole business built up around it. Like, I'm sure that would be no big deal to to do editing. So, and it wasn't live streamed or anything, right? Was it just a just a recording? Nope. Yeah, just recording. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's not that they can't afford the process. I, it felt like why would you want this other than you're good at getting people to kind of just blur stuff out, right? And then once you do, that's it. Like, right. And you've got like a scoop or something, right? Right. It didn't feel uh, guest friendly to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So, so, did he hammer you about your about your MRR? 
That's that's always like a no. famous Andrew Warren. Uh, <laughs> he, well, he he asked, and I answered kind of vaguely. Yeah. Um, but he didn't push it beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of last thing going on for me is I tweeted the other day about uh, looking to hire a pairing coach for Tuple. We're trying it as an experiment. This is a thing we've been talking about doing maybe for years now, um, which is having people that are experts at pairing uh, and offering calls with them to our customers. And so there's sort of two goals for these calls. One, as you might imagine, is like kind of an onboarding thing. Like if someone is bored, like hasn't quite used it yet, or maybe like there's there's definitely features of the app that aren't quite as discoverable. So there's like a little bit of like training that we want to do as part of it. Um, like here's like tuple specific stuff, but then also leveling people up and making them, you know, more better pair programmers is certainly very powerful and, and would feel good. Hmm. Has there been any like, has there been kind of demand expressed for this in one form or another? Is this sort of like a, a um, just a guess that like, I think, think this might be useful to customers? It, it's a guess. Yeah. 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 Very much an experiment. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Another idea I have on it is like people, so for a while we were asking people when they signed up, like how often do you want to pair? And a pretty surprising percentage of people said like every day um, or like every week. Uh, and then if you look at their behavior, it does not match that. <laughs> so there's right. aspirations right. that are, are, are rarely met. And so another idea I, I had is like something to do on this call is like, all right, how often do you want to pair? Like, oh, this often? Okay, how about we get a recurring calendar invite with someone who would like to pair with you? Like, let's set that up right now. Let's schedule it um, and just help people actually achieve this, you know, aspiration they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we set them up to actually succeed and become the, the great pair programmer that they want to be? Yeah. And would this be free, like a free service that you would offer to people or would you charge for it? Yeah, no, I think it's going to be free. Free thing. Yeah, that's it's cool. an interesting question. I hadn't thought about charging for it. I think we just offer for free. But then again, sometimes like people value it more if you charge them for it. Um, but I'm not sure. I was thinking of in the initial periods offering it to people who hadn't really gotten activated yet as a kind of thing to help and nudge them over the line. So it would be hard to charge those people for it perhaps. But that might be an interesting thing thing to think about so i have some candidates i'm talking to it feels like a hard position to fill because it's like i want them to be a developer so they can talk the talk i want them to know a lot about pairing i want them to be like uh, like sociable or like you know like friendly good on calls yeah so it's kind of a tricky set of skills i think to find overlap and like be interested in doing this kind of work like not programming but like you know like training effectively teaching so I think it's probably not for everyone, but hopefully we can find somebody who who finds it finds it like fulfilling and interesting. Mm-hmm. And how, when you when you're posting a job like this, like how do you think about the structure of it? Is it do you start as like part time contractor kind of thing and then work out from there if it if it turns into something that you want to keep around longer? Or yeah, yeah. definitely going to start with like part time contractor relationship relationship yeah. at first. Yeah, um, yeah, and then see see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm we are getting like thousands of new users a month so like could we fill a full-time person if that's what they wanted probably yeah if we offered it to everyone then probably you could have a pretty full schedule of of these but like is that the right way to do it does it do people want to do that many i I imagine doing like 40 a week would probably be kind of brutal um so uh, i'm kind of open to a bunch of ways of this kind of playing out Uh, and also maybe just not working like i do want to run it as a test so come up with some like, you know, A-B type test and see like, okay, when we do this, do we see positive impact for it or is it not worth it at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I could see this being like a, a core like service kind of component of your like customer success team. Once that becomes like a, a bigger thing, you know, it's like, you know, what, what thing can they do to help customers be successful basically is the mandate of a customer success team. And it's not just support. It's not just like where, you know, where's this button to do this thing, but it's like, how do you like make people more successful once they're already kind of in the, you know, in the app. So, yeah. And it's, it's successful with the app and then successful with the, the larger task of, you know, being a pair programmer. Um, and, and that to me, I think is that's the, that, that, that's exciting. Or like, that's like a, I feel like that's like a nice way of positioning it and a nice way of thinking about it. Like if it's just like, hi, I'm uh, John, the customer success manager at Tuple. Do you want to get on a call? It's like less good than like, hi, I'm John. I'm an expert in pair programming. How about we jump on and I can teach you some stuff. And we'll also like do a quick, you know, five minutes just to make sure you know the, the basics of Tuple. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's maybe a little more palatable. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's good. And, and I, I would be, I'm more excited to support that kind of thing. Even if they don't become a customer, it's like making more skilled pair programmers in the world is good for the world. And I think good for us. And maybe if they don't become customers, they still think good things about us. And hopefully I think, I think the downstream effects are really positive yeah. from that. Yeah. It's good. I like that. Yeah. So more updates on that. Cool. Soon. You have some other recs out there, right? You have the WebRTC expert and the person yep. pair with Joel. Like how's that, point. how's that all coming along? Oh yeah. Um, WebRTC expert still hard to find. Yep. <laughs> still elusive. Um, still elusive. Had someone who was promising, uh, but he ended up taking a job somewhere else. So still working on that. Uh, Joel is actually pairing with um, Josh Clayton from Thoughtbot. Oh, nice! My former coworker. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Josh and I worked together for years in the Boston office, mm-hmm. and then it was like, you know, if we need Rails expertise, there's kind of a pretty good answer over here. <laughs> And we're at the point where we can like afford Thoughtbot rates. So nice. Um, they're doing uh, ten hours a week of pair programming. Oh, cool. So it's like he's still with Thoughtbot. He's not out on his own. Yes. At this point. Okay. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah. So that's that's exciting to see. And like just hearing Joel talking about some of the things they're doing, I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like Josh's influence. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the kind of refactory that Josh would suggest. That's cool to. Yeah. It's cool to make a yeah a connection a loop back to uh to a former life of yours. It's uh it's always fun. Totally yeah, and I also feel like one of the cool things about having a company is like getting to work with my awesome friends from like mm-hmm. previous lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I try uh, the more I do that, the the more fun it is. Yeah, that's a nice spot to be in because I kind of I mean I aspire to you know eventually grow my own team and you know, there's kind of two paths you can take. You can, you can either take the, all right, I'm going to be a scrappy bootstrapper and I'm going to look for, you know, kind of geo arbitrage or find, find developers who are in a, a, a widely different time zone that are in a different country with lower cost of living. So I can save some money. And, you know, that's definitely like a route that a lot of people have to go, but I'm also like hoping that I can not do too much of that and just kind of you know, very carefully and methodically hire at the right points where the ROI makes sense and where it aligns with revenue growth so that I can actually like, I don't know, just, you know, pay, pay good rates, pay market rates or above market or whatever, and, uh, work with really skilled people, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's, that's a goal yeah, of mine. Totally. Yeah. The, I mean, the Netflix style, like, you know, hire really great people, you know, and knowing they're expensive, I think definitely resonates with me more than let's look for a bargain and try to do that yeah. which you know takes money it takes money all it takes is money <laughs> yeah all you have to do is make a bunch of money yeah. and you can do it exactly yep 
have you thought more about hiring a person? We talked about this in the past. Yeah, a little bit. yeah. so I've been actually been talking to somebody, a friend from the the community, about kind of doing like a contract basis, um, kind of growth marketing type stuff to get get flywheels going. And so far, so good. I'm I'm kind of excited about the prospect. We've been batting ideas back and forth, and I think it could really help. Like I know it's still going to probably require some of my time because if you think about like marketing projects usually require some element of design some element of like um you know getting things at least at the minimum getting things onto the website and um i'm not sure if that's a skill of this particular person and like that would be a lot to expect you know for someone to like do all of that stuff potentially so i know i'm still gonna have to carve out time but i think it's it's looking like you know this person can can save me a lot of a lot of that effort and and help with like the strategy side too which is really it's like i'm kind of looking for strategy and execution ideally because um you know um that's where i just want brain power dedicated to that and i know that i could easily just dedicate most of my brain power to to product and that could start to slip you know so 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 yeah so how likely is this to happen do you think i would give it like i would say 80 percent at this point i oh, think cool yeah Okay. Yeah. And is this the first person you will have like hired in your capacity as a solopreneur? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Nice. Big, big steps. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm excited to hear how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Do you, do you have any uh, initial projects kind of shaped up? We're still kind of like talking strategy on that. So I don't have anything to report just yet, but I will definitely, as it, as it kind of shapes up, we'll, uh, we'll be reporting it here. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. has uh has revenue still still add new, new people yeah it's very it's very like incremental at this point i'm working on team functionality and it's taking oh man permissions logic it's just a it's a slog man <laughs> just getting mm-hmm. getting that dialed in just right and it's, it's hard it's really hard to keep this one in tight scope because it's like i want people to be able to just at a minimum you know create a team invite people and they can at least create their own scheduling links and then potentially create them kind of under a company banner, you know? So it's like, so like sometimes people want to do it on behalf of them. Sometimes they want to do it under their company. And then of course there's a whole, there's a whole slew of different team type of scheduling links that people will want to create, like uh, a collective link that has, you know, multiple attendees from the, from internal or external and merging all their availability together. And so, um, like i've i've been trying to to incrementally release team functionality i I like release teams but the inability to actually add a teammate yet which i was (laughs) i was proud of that uh you know (laughs) very iterative releasing i just put a note in the ui that's like hey you can't add a member yet that's under development but you can like create your team and you can create links for yourself under your team i might need this if we end up having like a couple pairing coaches in the pool Mm -hmm. being able to send out one link that's like grab you know time from whoever happens to be available like here's a the union of all their free time yep yep yeah so definitely like collective and round robin mode you know for group links is going to be you know coming soon (laughs) by the way i was inspired by somebody scheduled a 15 minute meeting with me and Mm -hmm. he sent me a a meeting link and like the the, it was for 15 minutes i was like oh that's interesting and then i did it and i was like 15 minutes was great if it had been even a little bit longer than this it would have been way worse uh, like that like really forced us to like go fast and so i just went and changed my uh, savvy cal defaults so now i have i had 30 and 60 before and now i have 15 and 30 nice yeah so we're gonna see how that works out yeah that's cool that's good yeah, yeah. 
So what else is going on in your world? Um, let's see. So the, our episode just dropped. Well, we're recording on the day that this episode dropped the kind of announcement about the static kit sale. So I don't think I've mentioned that yet because it was not it was not public yet, but I did uh, tease it a little bit. And so, yeah, folks can listen to that episode to hear hear about that. But it feels really good to get that, you know, push that over the finish line. It hasn't been a, a huge distraction, but it's been kind of just, you know, something kind of brewing behind the scenes. And I've been working with the Formspree team to kind of get get basically the launch put together for this and help them transition and get all the static kit libraries ported over and make a really smooth migration path for for static kit users so mm-hmm. dude formspree used to be my enemy yeah i know how funny how funny is that <laughs> yeah yeah when i was working on form keep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the many so many worlds collide things yep yep yeah so now that you've had like this huge exit from static kit, oh, are you like, less motivated to work on savvy cow it's funny like an exit is an exit you know it it checks a box in that column but you know this is by no stretch a uh <laughs> this is not a this is not an acquisition of the kind of like drip or something like that you know but um not a life changer no no but for me the the big win is that you know it's not just shutting down static kit because i was saying moving on from it there was there was a couple choices i could have made and one of them was just just shut it down and and you know there are people using it getting value out of it they have it installed on their website and it's not going to be zero friction but it's going to be minimal friction for them to to kind of get back up and running on something else and that's that's what i wanted i don't want to leave behind a trail of you know apps that that never took off and then and then people kind of you know get screwed over when you shut them down and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah it's nice to find a, a yeah a good home for the thing you're not focused exactly. on now yep yep interesting yeah i have a i have a couple of those trail mix and briefs are both still chugging along making like you know a couple hundred bucks a month each at least one i use trail mix all the time briefs is technically i kind of use i guess in the sense that it's hosting my pot some small podcasts i put together there's just enough maintenance of a software like a, of a SaaS, that it's like kind of annoying and every time i'm like okay another like security patch we have to apply because they found a bug in something or like, oh, this part of this just stopped working at some point, or someone had a hidden exception. It's like, eh, these are just annoying enough. Mm-hmm. And like, it'd be kind of nice to like uh, offload this to somebody else. Yeah, and software just rots over time. It just does inevitably. Yeah, you know. Oh, totally. <laughs> yep, which is frustrating. But it rots. Yeah, but then there's also like there's as I imagine you're now like you're familiar with like there's just this there's an overhead of like get, have like selling it to somebody. Yeah. Yep. So it's yeah. There's no easy, easy answer here. No. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely was, it was by no means like a huge burden, but it was, it was more, this whole sale process was, was a bit more of a distraction than I was expecting it to be. Just, you know, there's, there are posts to write, there are emails to craft, there are things to schedule out. There's, it's all these little things add up. And before you know it, it's like, oh no, it's slowing me down. So yeah, yeah, totally. So did, are you cutting a check to tiny seed for some of the proceeds so it's just getting reinvested back into the company yeah okay yep it's just a it's an asset sale of an asset so uh got it okay yep that's too bad they could chalk up their first acquisition well i mean i think they still technically can you know (laughs) (laughs) sure yeah okay technically uh put it on some page somewhere yep yep I had a note about this and I still haven't mentioned it on the podcast yet, but I wanted to give um, some kudos to UserList, the app. Uh, they're also a tiny seed member uh, in the second batch, I think. I set them up for when I was preparing to launch SavvyCal and I wanted to get some some basic like 
onboarding emails set up. And it's a really well executed product. And it feels it reminds me a lot of like the the early days of Drip when Drip was a much simpler tool. But it's like some of the little details that I just remember implementing or like doing one way and then wishing they could be a different way. It's like user list has like gotten right out of the gate because they're just so focused on this on this use case. It's been a pleasant tool so far to use. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if I should look at them again. I remember when I, I first tried them out in the early, early days of Tuple and they it was it was very early for them as well. So, so it was quite a simple product back then. I remember being like there wasn't quite enough complexity at the time. Um, but I'd be interested to see like where they're at today. Yeah. I think this, the the big thing will be figuring out if it becomes painful for like my marketing emails not to be in the same place as my customer emails. Yeah. Cuz you're on you're using customer IO, right? Yes. Are you doing marketing emails through there also or is it just customer? Uh, no, it's kind of complicated. Like you have to set a user ID in customer IO. And so I don't have a good answer for that so like we have stuff from like a marketing list from when i was using drip and it's like okay these people never became customers but they did ask to hear about updates what do i do here and they were like here's some options and none of them seemed amazing and so i kind of that just like fell to the bottom of my to-do list and like there's just like part of our marketing asset is just not really being utilized because i don't have a great way to do yeah, it yeah yeah which is unfortunate yeah it's tricky. And, and yeah, like I have no interest in like, okay, now I have like a, let's spin up MailChimp and then MailChimp will be for like these broadcasts over here. And then this will be for your net. Like it's not ideal. Yep. yep. And then like people unsubscribe from multiple things, you know, like I, I don't want to make them do that. So mm-hmm. It's tricky. That's why maybe user list will eventually get into the marketing emails uh, arena. But I know there's all kinds of headaches that comes with that. Obviously it's, it's much cleaner on a, on a spam control you know, just in, in that in that area, is if it's like you already have a relationship with these people, and there's, the lists are smaller, so scaling concerns maybe a little bit, a little bit less daunting. And you know, there's a bunch of pros to just just keeping it that to relationship emails. But oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, we benefit a lot from some of the simplicity choices we've made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're small, and it, it's it really makes life a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. I was looking around because I wanted to get a better idea of, of now that I have actual users <laughs> logging in using the product, I wanted to start to to visualize like, okay, the users that are that end up being most successful, what are their usage patterns kind of look like? So what what steps do they take? How often do they log in? How often do they look at stuff? How many links do they create? On and on and on. I'm kind of in the market for like a funnel analytics tool. And I asked around on Twitter a little bit about this, like I remember, you know, back in the day, we used Mix Mixpanel a bunch for this. And I know they're still around, but I don't know. You know, there's been a lot of other tools that have come up. There's like Heap Analytics. There's Amplitude that I've heard of. But a lot of these tools have like funky pricing where like you get a bunch for free and then there's like a tripwire. Amplitude in particular is like this. There's like a tripwire and they don't even publish their the price for their <laughs> paid plan. So it's like it's like free. And then if you if you need this one other thing, like call for pricing, and that scares the heck out of me. Yeah, <laughs> as a bootstrapper, totally. Um, do you guys use anything yeah. today for like tracking this kind of stuff? We we use Mixpanel. Okay, is it uh, doing? I know job? we pay for it. Um, yeah, we did have a period where it was like, oh, it's going to be thousand bucks a year. Are we cool with that? Yes. And then like we started sending you more data. They're like, uh, actually, it's going to be like three thousand bucks a year. Are we cool with that? I was like, ah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. So we we ran into the whole we ran into some of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm I'm checking right now what it, what it costs us right now. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, they have like the like monthly tracked users is a thing. Mhm. 
yeah. Which I imagine. So I guess if you if you have it on only for customers versus like, I imagine it kind of bumps up cost if you install it on your public website and you're like tracking from pre pre conversion to post. Well, then you have a lot of visitor data potentially counting towards your user count or something. So I believe that's true. Hmm. Yeah, unless you're paying something like thirty two hundred a year for it. Okay. Okay. It's not nothing, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, startup program credit things in this space. Like if you join the segment startup program, I think you get like a free year of mix panel and amplitude and something else. Like these analytics companies love to do like a free year of something for startups. Yeah. Which gets you in there. We totally want to take advantage of that and also be aware that like, with a tool like Amplitude, getting a year for free is cool, but then like if you once you're really locked in, then you're kind of beholden to, to them if if you do cross you know, cross over the year mark, congratulations, you owe us twenty grand now for this year or something. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's a little dangerous. Yeah. Well cool. Thanks for the input. Mm-hmm. Anything else going on in your world? Uh, I think that's it for me. Just okay. chugging along. All right. Uh, notes for the show? Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.